Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR. This is Housing for the Age Action Group's fortnightly show about older people and housing issues. My name's Fiona and I'm in the studio today with Shane. How are you going, Shane? Uh, I'm very well, thanks, Fiona. How are you? I'm really good. It's nice to be here in person again on Smith Street on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people. What have we got today, Shane? Um, Well... We've talked before on the show about the connection between climate change and older people's housing issues, and we think that's really important. Obviously, temperatures are going up, we have an ageing population, we have wildly inadequate uh, public and social housing stocks and private rental stocks that are often substandard. Um, The minimum standards that were introduced recently don't include things like insulation or cooling or other kinds of thermal comfort measures that are so important in a country with a climate like Australia's or like Victoria's, like Melbourne's. So we were very happy this week to speak to Emma Bacon, who's the Executive Director at Sweltering Cities, about some of those connections between housing and climate change and how they affect older people. Yeah, so we're going to hear from Emma now. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about Sweltering Cities and the work that you're doing? Sure thing. Um, Sweltering Cities has been around for a little bit over two years. We work directly with communities living in hot suburbs across Australia to advocate and campaign for more livable, equitable and sustainable cities. Um, at first, we started off sort of testing, you know, the strategy in Western Sydney, but it became, you know, which is a really highly affected area, but it became clear almost immediately that there was huge demand for this work um, across Australia. So we're now working in Victoria as well, where we can see the big issues around heat are often to do with housing. Um, so, yeah, that's all we're doing. So in terms of the survey that you've just completed, I understand you've been asking renters, is it renters or all types of housing, um, to complete surveys about their homes? It's everyone, actually. Um, So we did partner with an organisation or a campaign called um, Healthy Homes for Renters and added in a couple of questions in this, you know, new survey, um, specifically asking renters, you know, have they asked their landlord for any changes, um, you know, what those changes were and if they came about. Um, but it's been, you know, we've had people do the survey um, in every state and territory. We had um, 2,140 people do it all together and almost 600 of those were in Victoria. Wow. Um, and it's everyone from, you know, public housing residents, people who live with their family, people who live in retirement homes, to people who own or rent, you know, all different sorts of circumstances. And, I mean, what did you find in terms of what, what, how renters were finding their, their attempts to make their homes more livable? We found that whilst, you know, some people were 
requesting that their landlord um, makes updates um, or improves their home energy efficiency, very few, um, a very small proportion were actually having that happen. And we went through, you know, what people said they were asking for. And there's this false perception put up sometimes in the media as much by, you know, landlords and others that are, you know, people are just asking for aircon and this view that that's a, you know, luxury. And, you know, our point of view is that all homes should be safe homes. But if you look at what people are asking for, you know, at least half the people, um, you know, in Victoria who we looked at, they said that they just wanted better insulation. Mm. You know, people want ceiling fans. Like, you would be surprised how many people said they wanted, um, you know, uh, I guess like mesh doors, you know, like... Mm, fly screens. Um, fly screens, exactly. Um, so they could get a cross breeze. And thing is, like, you know, those requests are being refused, yeah. let alone actually installing air conditioning. Yeah, we were really disappointed that the minimum standards to the tenancy laws didn't include insulation. It had a lot of focus on heating, but not on insulation, which I think was a real lost opportunity. Um, Absolutely agree. Yeah, and, and I understand you're collecting stories about the way people were coping in heat waves as well. Is there anything that sticks out from, particularly, I guess, from older people's perspective, but just the innovative ways that people have to try and get around their poor housing? Can you tell us anything about what the survey respondents were telling you about that? Yeah, well, I think something that really stuck out to me is we asked a question, um, you know, when it's hot, do you leave your house and go to a cool location? And, you know, across the country, across all demographics and people with different situations, it's about 30%, about almost one in three people. Um, but if you look at people who own their homes versus people who rent, um, it's only 14% of people who own their homes, but it's 50% of people who rent. Um, and so we can see that, you know, the housing insecurity, um, people are less safe in their homes, it's driving them to go into um, public spaces. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, something that I found really striking this year was we asked people about the mental and physical health impact um, of, you know, extreme heat and living through heat waves. And I was really overwhelmed with how many people talked about anxiety and depression mm. related to, you know, not being able to feel safe in their homes, feeling worried about their health, the health of their families. Um, we know, you know, older people are one of the really highly vulnerable groups when it comes to, um, uh, you know, heat-related illnesses. We found that, you know, of people over 50, three-quarters of them are avoiding exercise when it's hot. Mm. Um, you know, they don't have access to being able to exercise, um, you know, somewhere in the cool, like a gym or things like that, or they might not feel safe there, you know, for COVID reasons, for example. Um, so we're seeing that people's lives are being severely curtailed. Um, you know, people are avoiding socialising, they're avoiding exercise, they're avoiding um, even running errands, you know, in the heat. And... I noticed that you mentioned that Western Sydney is a particular hotspot. Is are you tracking? Are there places that are worse in terms of suburbs or cities that need, you know, more focus on a, a bigger level than just individual houses? Is is there hotspots that you're focusing on, or are you seeing patterns there? Yeah, a hundred percent. We are like within Western Sydney. You've got areas like Blacktown, Penrith region. Um, people don't often understand that southwest Sydney is also really highly impacted because there's lots of heat island regions there. Um, you know, Campbelltown in southwest Sydney also gets extremely hot. Um, and, you know, the new developments, things like, you know, the fact they're putting another airport in western Sydney and a place that currently 
um, you know, is farmland and soil and is about to be all concrete. Mm. Um, you know, there's projections that's going to increase the temperature locally. Um, I've seen that coming out from experts. In other places, um, we know that Western Melbourne uh, and Northern Melbourne are both um, have issues around the urban heat island effect. Um, sometimes people think of Melbourne as, you know, a leafy city, everyone's got a tram on their doorstep, it's nice and cool. Um, but if you do go to the western suburbs of Melbourne, you'll see that there are lots of um, heat island areas, that's treeless streets, lots of concrete dark surfaces, and the temperature there, um, you know, can be much higher than other parts of the city. Um, and green cover can be as low as, you know, 5 or 10% mm. in a suburb. Um, we've also been looking at southeast Queensland. You know, of course, like all of Queensland, it's pretty hot. Um, but regions of southeast Queensland, like Brisbane, is projected to have a huge jump in heat-related deaths over the coming decades um, as it stays really hot overnight there, but also because the new development regions are also heating up their local environment in like the Gold Coast to Brisbane corridor. Mm. All right. I, I saw that recently one of your organisers met with some residents of an older person's public housing high-rise in Melbourne. Could you tell us a bit about that? Sure thing. Um, well, we work with um, different health and community, um, like health organisations and community centres in Victoria. And, you know, we're being alerted to the fact that, um, you know, residents were having an extremely hard time um, in these towers. Mm. Um, you know, from, you know, our perspective, with the older piece of towers, like the older 55 towers, we would say that the vast majority of people in those towers are at risk of heat-related diseases. Like, we can put them in a vulnerable category um, because of their age. And so the fact that, you know, people are living in these extremely hot rooms, um, we knew we had to go and talk to people about it. Um, and then, you know, learning the, the community rooms, really, you know, cool, safe local spaces in people's buildings have been closed since March 2020. Mm. You know, we've been going back and forth with the department ill about this and they refuse to say they're going to open the rooms, they say it's someone else's responsibility um, you know, we heard at that meeting that people are you know, we, and we heard through talking to different residents that people are going to you know, the library, people are going to shopping centres, people are spending the day in Pokey's rooms drinking coffee, this is coming directly from the residents that they would rather have a cool, safe local space to be um, and they're very frustrated and some of them are quite distressed by the fact that you know, still they feel like they've been forgotten um, when it comes to opening those community rooms. Mm. So you've mentioned older people and their particular vulnerability to heat waves a couple of times. So do you, why do you think it's so important to work with older tenants in the context of, I guess, heat waves and climate change and housing, um, housing inadequacy? Well, I think that for a long time we thought about climate change as something that would affect you know, our children, our grandchildren, future generations or people in distant places. Um, you know, we felt like we had the security of the Australian, you know, wealth and the Australian environment. But it's really clear that when it comes to heat, it's not future generations. It's our parents and our grandparents um, who are being highly impacted right now in our cities. And so we need to look at, you know, here are groups of people who are, you know, not only are they like potentially highly impacted by heat-related diseases, but also they've been able to see the change in their local environment over the decades. You know, I speak to people all the time who say, you know, growing up in an area, whether it's Western Sydney or 
you know, parts of Western Melbourne or the Dandenong region, um, that when they were younger, you know, things were cooler, the climate was a bit cooler, but also there were, you know, more trees, there was less development, um, and the development that's happened has really heated up the area. So they're also fantastic advocates because they can say, yes, we've seen the local environment change. It hasn't been done sustainably. You know, as we grow, as we, you know, build new developments, they have to, you know, cool down and not heat up the environment. Um, but I think all the people are, you know, a really important piece um, piece of this puzzle. And from my personal experience as an activist and an organiser, all the most powerful political movements, um, you know, they've got all the women at the core of them, mm. uh, in my experience. So I think that whatever we're doing, we have to make sure that, you know, the leadership of older women is there. Absolutely. Um, I, we spoke to someone last year about um, climate change and, and older people, and um, one of the things that we were talking about then was that heat waves aren't really considered to be a disaster in the same way as floods are and fires are, and so they're not treated in a kind of systemic way, and it means that it's often up to local government to do things like open up shopping centres and pools and things, and that's fine if you've got transport, but... Um, older people often don't have disposable incomes or access to transport to be able to access these cooler spaces. Um, is there anything in particular that you would be calling on, uh, I guess, all levels of government, local, um, state, and we have a federal election coming up? <laughs> um, yeah. what, what, what should governments be doing to address uh, this issue? I think you're totally right. Like, heat waves are Australia's most deadly environmental disaster. They kill more people than all the others put together. But when there's a heat wave, you know, we don't get the same alerts as we do for other disasters. Um, you know, some people call it a silent killer mm. because, you know, it's not till later when we look back, we do epidemiological sorry, studies. Um, in retrospect, we can say, oh, there was a higher rate of death amongst these demographics or these locations. So, like, firstly, we need to start calling them what they are. We need to say, you know, when there's a heat wave coming, there's a severe heat wave coming, um, and we have definitions for these things. Um, actually publicise that and tell people, you know, that they need to be safe, they need to check on their friends, they can't do risky behaviours like working out doors in the middle of the day or, you know, even spending half an hour waiting for a bus, you know, with no shade. But it's not just about personal responsibility, it's also about what actions governments can take. Um, and part of that is preparing for the, you know, rising temperatures of our future. We need to be building, you know, our homes, our schools, our workplaces to be climate resilient into the future because we know the temperatures are going to go up. We also need to be doing far more, um, you know, investing in community health and outreach. Mm. There's some parts of the country, including some parts of Melbourne and in South Australia, um, where when it's hot and the heat wave on, you know, vulnerable people will get a phone call. Um, to say, you know, are you doing okay? You know, is there anything we can do? It's the Red Cross that does it in um, South Australia. Um, we need those programs to be implemented across the country. You know, that needs to be funded as community health outreach. We need there to be cool spaces, um, you know, across all hot suburbs that people can get to and help them get there. Yeah. You know, it can't just be up to one local council at a time um, piloting the project as we see what's happening at the moment. Like, Heatwaves are a disaster where we know when and where they're going to happen, and we know they're going to get worse. Like, we cannot wait till after there's been a really catastrophic, deadly heatwave to take this seriously. Mm. And also, I guess, it, we'd like to see better, you know, design, housing design, if, if, if things are going to be getting worse 
just having the laws there to underpin it and not leaving it up to the goodwill of developers to make nice houses for rich people. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, in my experience, there's very little goodwill from developers to make nice houses for poor people um, <laughs> yeah. at all. Can't imagine yeah. why that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how can people find out more about Sweltering Cities or, or get involved? They can go to our website, which is swelteringcities.org. They can find us on Facebook, we're Sweltering Cities. On Twitter, we're Sweltering Cities. Because uh, it couldn't be that long, um, and we're also on Instagram. We're not on TikTok, you know. That's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people can, you know, sign up to hear from us. Um, you know, get emails from us, follow us on social media. Um, we're launching, like, you know, having done this community survey. You know, the way we work is we've, you know, asked people what their experiences are, what they support, and now we are, you know, resourcing and launching and developing. Um, campaigns in different areas. So in Sydney, we're doing one on winning bus shelters across the hottest suburbs. Um, in Victoria, we're working with public housing tenants on those specific things I mentioned. Um, and also, we're launching a campaign to ban synthetic turf um, in public spaces across Melbourne because, you know, why on earth are we creating more urban heat islands when we could have carbon sinks? Wow. And that all came as a result of that's what the people wanted when you spoke to them? You, yeah, it's one of those funny things going through the results and seeing how many people mention really specific issues. Yeah. Um, but pools, the fact that people don't have access to public pools came up as an issue in Victoria, yeah. as did, yeah, people, like the rolling out of synthetic turf in public sports grounds and schools and other public spaces. People found them it to be a really, um, to, you know, really affect how hot an area is and make them much less friendly um, for people to spend time in those public spaces. Yeah, I remember on New Year's Day trying to find a pool that was open. It was really hot and there was not a single one open in the entirety of the north and the west of Melbourne. It was very annoying. Yeah, we yeah. don't need to hear about your New Year's Day. <laughs> I wholeheartedly support that. Excellent. <laughs> um, and so, make them free during heat waves. That's, what we're that's right. Open them up to the public. Take them back. Yeah. Um, that all sounds really exciting and it's great to see people focusing more on the links between poor housing and climate change and what we can actually do about it. And, of course, there is a federal election coming up, which we'll talk about about a little bit more in a moment. Um, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about before before we finish up? Just to say that, you know, when we do talk about climate change, we're often focused on these really catastrophic events. And, you know, we would never minimise that that is a hugely present danger. But one of the great things about our work is that we're also, you know, actively imagining what a better, more sustainable future is for communities. And that that is really exciting creative, invigorating work people can do in their communities and with their neighbours and with a network across Australia. So I'd say that, you know, it's a great antidote to feeling climate dread is to actually be involved in, you know, building the communities of our future. Yeah, and that's great to hear some utopian thinking instead of dystopian yeah. thinking occasionally. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what a great lead into our talk about the federal election. Which is... <laughs> So if you want to imagine a better future for all of us in the cities that we live in, um, jump online and check out Sweltering Cities. Thanks so much for coming in today, Emma. It's been really great having you on. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, my name's Pilar Aguilera and I'm 3CR's chairperson. I'm urging you to become a 3CR subscriber. We need to keep independent, radical, dissenting voices on air. Social change doesn't just happen, we need to nurture it. We desperately need to hear alternative ideas that allow us to organise, build community and change the systems that continue to oppress us and destroy the planet. Put your money where your mouth is.
Become a member. Subscribe today. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunakurnai and Bidwell and Monaro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Um, so we just heard from Emma Bacon about some of the impacts of the heat wave and climate change on older tenants. And now's a good time, I think, to talk about the federal election and what the government might do about these issues. Well, I guess we've finished that discussion uh, of what the government might do about these issues and the opposition as well, I think. Well, yep, opposition, whoever gets in. Um, so HAG is running a uh, campaign at the moment to try and encourage people to consider where they put their vote, obviously, um, and also to try and meet with independent um, candidates and existing politicians um, in all of the various seats across the country to talk about older people and housing. And we've got a federal election platform. Um, though, and we're asking broadly for three main things. One is more public um, housing. The other is more services for older people and the other is to end inequality and one of the ways that we want to end inequality is by addressing ageism um, because we think that's the root of a lot of uh, the problems that older people face particularly in their housing so if you want to get involved in that campaign there's a whole bunch of things that we're planning obviously the election has been announced we're in the first week of the campaign we have six weeks to go and it already feels like it's going to be a long six weeks um so one of the things that we've done recently is some videos that we're sharing on our various platforms, so on Twitter and on Facebook and on our own website. Um, you can have a look at our video, which has got a whole bunch of older people from Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland talking about how they ended up in housing insecurity and calling for change. And we'll be hoping to share a whole bunch more of those types of videos in the coming weeks to influence the pollies. We're also, we'll be releasing a scorecard which will be comparing the policies of the different parties in case you're wondering where you want to place your vote or your preferences. Um, and the other thing that we're hoping to do is have people go out and meet their candidates and MPs and have a chat about housing. Of course, we understand that this can be a bit full on for people. Um, and for that reason, we have lots of support. We can talk you through the talking points. We can give you a bunch of stuff to say. Um, but really, just having older people talk about their own lived experience to decision makers, we reckon, is a really important way to get people to think about the issues. So, yeah, HAG's cranking up for the federal election. And you can check it out on our website, election 2022. <laughs> Shane is absolutely appalled that we're even talking about political campaigning on the radio. 
Uh, obviously, I'm in favour of talking about political campaigning on the radio. I'm just not in favour of any of the options available in the federal election. Yeah, it's a bit bleak out there. Um, of course, we are bipartisan. We'll be telling you how to vote. But we encourage people to check out the policies rather than going for their favourite footy team. I am strongly bipartisan. I am opposed to both the Labour and Liberal parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, please do get involved. We do want to have it. Um, we do want to have housing on the agenda. Um, we know that a lot of times it can be subsumed in other issues. One of the other things we're calling for, of course, is better housing design, which relates back to what Emma was talking about, um, and in changing the building code, the National Construction Code, so that the developers have to put these things in because we know they're not going to do it out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, and, yeah, raising the rate of the pension um, and a whole bunch of things. Well, the ALP just announced today, this is the day before we go to air, that they have they no longer plan to increase the job seeker rate, no mm. longer plan a review into the job seeker rate. Um, so I guess the only good news from my point of view about this federal election is that we're definitely going to see some useless right-wing neoliberal party that doesn't care about poor people lose. Uh, we just don't know yet whether that will be the Liberals or Labor. <laughs> Tell it how it is, Shane. Um, yeah. Well, if you're not as as into party politics, that's also fine. There's plenty of other ways to get involved with HAG. Um, maybe if you would like to do some other stuff, like talking to the community about what places them at risk of homelessness or telling your story or just having a chat about your own housing circumstances, you can get in, ch- in touch with us. You might like to come on the radio and tell your story as well. We're always looking for people to come on. Yeah, because, I mean, HAG does do a lot of political campaigning that isn't narrowly electoral. That's uh, right. Which is, you know, important as well. I, I don't mean to discount that, despite my grinding situation. Um, so is it now a good time for me to tell people how they can get in touch? I reckon. So if you want to get in touch with HAG because you want to get involved in some political campaigning or uh, tell me that I'm wrong about the Labor Party, which I'm sure some of you are gagging to do, uh, the best number to call is 03 um, If you want to get in touch with HAG because you're an older Victorian with a housing issue and you want some advice or some assistance, best number to call is 1300 765 178. So those numbers again... Uh, HAG, uh, sort of general political campaigning stuff, 9654-7389. Uh, housing support, more directly, 1300-765-178. You can also find our website, oldertenants.org.au. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, similar to Sweltering Cities, we do not have a TikTok yet, oh. but I really think we should get... Listen, if you want to volunteer to, to run the HAG TikTok account, please get in touch. I would love it. Would I would you? definitely love a hag TikTok filled with older women having their piece in nine-second formats. Sounds great. Yep. I think that's about all we have time for. Well, we're going to leave people with a song. Uh, we're going to hear from Camp Cove, I think, this week. Yeah. And this is Stove Lighter. Thanks for listening. Thank you. See you next time. Sorry, one last thing. I meant to say we promised to dedicate a song this week to a HAG member named Terence. Terence, I'm very sorry we could not line up your song for this week. We promise, uh, or Fiona promises, it's not me. Sorry, if anything goes wrong, blame Fiona. <laughs> Fiona faithfully promises that your, your dedication will come next episode. So uh, what's that, two weeks from today? Yeah. Uh, listen in for your dedication, and thank you very much, Terence. And happy uh, Easter, Terence. Happy Easter to everyone. And yep. we're going to hear from Camp Cope. This is Stove Lighter. Okay, bye.